Welcome to another episode of Off the Menu. I'm your host, Vincent Franchini from Tumblr House, here with an expeditious Charles Coulomb. Expeditious? You mean I do things quickly, efficiently. I get them done like that. This episode you're going to. I was going to say, when did this start? I, I, I don't think I've ever been expeditious in my life. This, why, why do I have to be expeditious in this episode? We are short on time. You've had you've you've had a you've been lollygagging with these Danish trad people. You barely fit me and, and our poor audience into your schedule late on Sunday night. Would you rather in, instead of being with Danish trads that I was with Swedish radicals? Yes. Why didn't you do that? Why didn't you hang out with the Swedish radicals? What's wrong with that? I don't know any. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't invite me. <laughs> you know, I go, I go where I'm invited. You know, I'm, I'm a bit like a vampire that way. I can only enter the homes where they ask me in. So, if Swedish radicals were to invite you, would you go? Sure. They paid for the ticket, and I got an honorarium. Absolutely. But what if? Their worldview conflicted with yours in a egregious way. Long as their check doesn't bounce. It's <laughs> <laughs> all I ask. Wow. Well, that's that's very Look, open-minded of you, Charles. Let me make something very clear. All right, my ideals are not for sale, but they do rent at very reasonable <laughs> rates. <laughs> <laughs> No, I I highly doubt Swedish radicals would hire me, or Finnish radicals, for that matter. I have gotten a certain amount of blowback from my Ukrainian pieces and from those of my colleague, Jonathan Van Maren. I was accused of being, are you ready? Yeah. A stooge for the FBI. What does that mean? What's a stooge for the FBI? Does that mean you're getting paid? That's it was exactly my response. That's that's what I said to the guy. Where's my money? <laughs> you know, I, I, this is a great revelation. Now I just want the money to start coming in. <laughs> I, I'm glad. I'm glad I'm working for somebody who's paying me regularly now. That's great. I mean, what a. You know, the problem is that everybody reads everything through the prism of internal politics, right now. They read Ukraine that way. They read Denmark that way. They read uh, they read Joseph Biden's senility that way, as if it were some sort of party issue and not a gift to the nation. Biden's senility, a gift to the nation? Is that what you're saying? Yes, yes, that's what I'm saying. Biden's senility is a gift to the nation. It's like the Jefferson Monument, you know. It's like Mount Vernon. It's like Mount Rushmore. It's like Mount Doom. I mean, these are all things that belong to our patrimony as Americans. We're all sharers of them. Those other things are all like concrete and monuments, though. Like senility, it's it's a little bit more intangible. It doesn't matter. I mean, we're we're all inheritors of Teddy Roosevelt's bully can-do spirit. You know, as Americans, we're heirs to 
to Washington crossing the Delaware, where to to Lincoln, uh, the Gettysburg Address. We're, they were heirs to all these things. And I, I would submit that just like honest Abe splitting the rails and, 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 and uh, you know, being what he was, so too Biden's senility is part of the essential patrimony that every American has to share it. Like the flag, like the Liberty Bell. Hmm. What well, what would you say is Obama's contribution to this this legacy? What what are I you going to embrace from him? I would say that Obama's great great phrase was his saying that the mostly peaceful protesters on January sixth uh, desecrated the Capitol. Wait, wait, what did you say? Say that again. I it seemed like you mixed two different things together in there. What do you mean? Uh, it makes all right. The mostly peaceful protesters on January 6th, 2021, who invaded the Capitol. Building. Did he say mostly peaceful protesters for that? No, 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 no. Uh, I'm just saying, I mean, look, if the people who burned down half the country months before that were mostly peaceful protesters, I don't see how you could call a bunch of people who didn't burn down the Capitol anything else. It's fair. Well, I think so. You've got a mob of people who are burning and pillaging, right? Right. But they're mostly peaceful protesters. Yeah. You have a group of people who invade a, uh, a public building. Yeah. They don't burn anything. So at the very least, they too are mostly peaceful protesters. I would say so, I guess. If they had been mostly peaceful protesters like the people in the summer, the Capitol would have been left a smoking ruin. I guess so. Uh, instead, a couple of people got killed, and so the scores got killed in the mostly peaceful protests over the summer. And the only thing that got stolen was Nancy Pelosi's laptop. Okay, so enter Obama. What... He says they have desecrated the Capitol building. I thought Biden said that. What's that? I thought Biden no, no, no. said that. Biden wouldn't have remembered what had happened. I'm pretty sure he said that. They, he was doing this, this sacred language type thing. If he did, he was echoing uh, Obama. He was the first one to say they desecrated it. And, you know, my thought was that, well, you, you, you can't really do that. I mean, you, you, could, you could loot a bordello. You could burn a bordello to the ground, but you can't desecrate it. Anyhow, regardless of whether or not it was apropos, like Biden's senility, Obama's opinion is part of our national heritage now. All right. And I am looking forward to the building of the Barack Obama Library, Presidential Library. Why? Because it will, like all the others, become part of the rich fabric of our presidential history, part of the common heritage, the common patrimony of uh, all Americans everywhere. Great. Oh, like, wonderful. Like Kamala Harris's origins as the mistress of the mayor of San Francisco. This, too, is something that we all have a share in. That's good. How does Cardinal Mahoney enter into this? That is who? 
How does Cardinal Mahoney, you know, I mean, obviously being uh, well, Cardinal, Cardinal Mahoney, a, yeah. Cardinal Mahoney bears the same relationship to this that the California list of historic uh, sites has to the national list. Uh, mm-hmm. There are more in California because there are lesser sites of the Cali- lesser of the eyes of the feds that the California government sees as historically important. Mm. So I would say that Cardinal Mahoney, his cover-ups, his material heresies, all of that is part of our rich heritage as Californians. What like the missions. I see, I see. Okay, that's good. Like the gold rush. Well, what about what about Governor Newsom? How, what's his contribution? Same, same. I mean, Governor Newsom is like our old mayor of Frank Shaw in uh, in L.A., you know, the, the man who tried to blow up Clifford Clinton and who sent the chief of police to the uh, bordellos in L.A. to pick up his cut every week. Uh, again, part of the rich tapestry of our state story. Yule Hauser himself couldn't put it better. I'm sure that if he looked at, say, Gavin Newsom partying his blues away at the French Laundry when he had the state under strict lockdown, I have no doubt that you would have looked at that night, people without masks, hugging, no social distancing, and you would have looked and he would have said, that's amazing. All right. Last question. What about Woodrow Wilson's contribution? Well, his was huge. He introduced segregation in the District of Columbia and had never had it before. I mean, what's that? That, that too, uh, that too is a big part. Uh, the all of the bloodshed that resulted from World War, uh, you know, from his interference in Central Europe, all of World War Two, really, is a, a, a big part of his of his great legacy to us as a people. All right, Charles, you win. I was trying to trigger you and get you to break your cool, annoying facade, but I have failed. What? I'm sorry, audience. I am celebrating some of our country's most remarkable figures, and you so break my cool facade. Are you, are, are you any kind of a patriot at all? I have to... No. Okay, no. If if that's the, if that is the requirements for patriotism, my answer is no. We just had Constitution Day a week or two ago. <laughs> this is very very upsetting. Veterans Day is just around the corner. Halloween, the the one day of the year when our public figures can be themselves. I mean, look. Let me explain something. As an American, and I understand this better living overseas now, as an American, we are all heirs to every great deed that any American does. I mean, think of the the young people that day in 1965 when they they stood up and spoke their mind, defending their wonderful, beloved institution, Pandora's Box, against an unfeeling older generation and a lost enforcement establishment that insisted on age limits for drinking. Hmm. And for what it's worth, the defense of Pandora's box will go down in American history as the time when the counterculture began taking a stand. 
when the boomer generation began to find itself. Well, I guess. Yeah. I guess I just look more inward, you know, to to home, I guess, rather than the country. Uh, I, apparently, I'm quoted as saying, if I ever go looking for my heart's desire again, I won't look any further than my own Baradurez publishing tower. Because if it isn't because, there, I never really lost it to begin with. You know, that is so true. I, 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 have to, I just I have want to, to stay in my too. tower, my Baradur-esque publishing yeah. tower. <laughs> we are really breaking down the barriers tonight, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. I, uh, I'm afraid uh, your old friends here are really losing it. Uh, but it's true. I just think, though, that for what it's worth, uh, really and truly Pandora's box was no barrender. Okay. Charles is bringing this in from the pre-show where this the famous Buffalo Springfield song is apparently mm. not about the Vietnam War, but about this Pandora's box club. In the curfew in this weird esoteric happening in what do you mean? It was young people trying to be themselves against an unfeeling, uncaring establishment. See, what you get what you you younger people don't understand is that in those days, the real young people, not the phonies who came later, but the real young people who today, of course, bad parish councils and so forth, they stood up, okay? They stood up whether it was for Pandora's box or folk masses. They stood up. What has your generation done to stand up? Exactly. No answer there, smart guy. Let me show you a picture that was sent to me by a friend of the Virginia Synod. And I... I I mean, this was such a a beautiful thing. I'm going to show you, and you could you could put them out of the air if you want. These are pictures of the real springtime of the church. This is these are official pictures of the synod. I'm scared. What's that? I am scared. What are you scared of? There's nothing to be scared of. Look around you. All you see is sympathetic eyes. We'd like to learn a little bit about you for our files. <laughs> so we, so we we got to Simon and Garfunkel. Is that is that correct? We made that jump. Yeah. Yeah. Now look, look. This is the springtime of the church, the new springtime. I don't mean springtime for Hitler. This is this, the, uh, and here's a really, really good picture. This is all from the Synod. I'm you not going to put young, these pictures up. I'm not going to put these pictures up, Charles. These are the young people of the Pandora's Box era still standing up over 60 years later. Almost well, 60 years later. Wonderful. 
Keep on keeping on, old people. Good job. <laughs> old right. people? What do you mean? We're young! <laughs> okay. That's but nice. you don't you want you don't want to share those pictures with our studio audience? No, because I, I don't want anyone telling me I need to take pictures down and edit the video and blah 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 blah. I cannot be hassled. It's a bunch of people holding hands and experiencing. They're cinem- not just any people. They look like normal people. Oh yeah, look at their age. Okay, they're boomers. Yeah. <laughs> You know what their response is? Okay, millennial. All right. You see how you misunderstood boomerdom? Let me tell you something. Today's active seniors are at the forefront of social change. All right. In the words of Maximus from Gladiator, the time for honoring yourself will soon be at an end. Okay. You boomers. Fine. Um, Be that way. All right. State of the week time. Are you ready? I are ready. We're going to go a little south from North Carolina. Yucatan? (laughs) No, not that far south. Just a little bit. Uh, South Carolina. Oh, well, South Carolina. There's a state I love. And my favorite city in South Carolina is the city that whose name made the 20s roar. I'm talking, of course, ladies and gentlemen, about Charleston, South Carolina, where the Ashley and Cooper Rivers come together to form the Atlantic Ocean. Charleston is a city that never has to say it's sorry. It is a wonderful place, beautiful architecture. The best families are called SOBs. They live south abroad south of Broad Street. And it said that what they have in common with the Chinese and the Creoles of New Orleans is that they all worship their ancestors and eat rice. A lot of truth to that. She-crab soup there in Charleston. Not he-crab soup, which doesn't taste as good. She-crab. A lot of fish dishes, crab cakes, Charleston. Spanish moss, the breeze blowing in off Charleston Harbor. This quarter of the four, the four quarters of the law, which have the courthouse, formerly the colonial state house, the uh, the church, uh, St. Philip's, I guess. Uh, I forget what the other two are. Charleston is a wonderful city, and the harbor is Fort Sumter, which started the Civil War. Uh, Sullivan's Island is Fort Moultrie and uh, Stella Maris Catholic Church, where you can go to the Latin Mass. Uh, you can go to the Ordinariat Mass at Old St. Mary's in downtown Charleston. It was founded by uh, French uh, refugees from Haiti. Uh, but there's also an old Unitarian church. There's a French Huguenot church. There's a, it, it's a, a wonderfully aristocratic city as well. St. Cecilia's Society and a bunch of other things like that. There are other places along the coast. Beaufort, South Carolina, which was, apart from beautiful architecture, was filled with conjure, the local black version of voodoo. Uh, The Gullah people, who are blacks and speak a very unusual language, 
uh, are to be found on the Sea Islands of South Carolina and Georgia. You go further in. Oh, and of course, I can't forget the Citadel, which is the military academy of South Carolina. So a lot of stuff going on in Charleston. Go a little bit further in, there's the Indigo Society, and I think Winya, or no, Prince George. A lot of uh, plantation houses scattered around. Columbia, South Carolina is the capital. Uh, and interestingly enough, the South Carolina Assembly is one of the two of the 13 colonies that still have their colonial base with the crown on top. Uh, and they have the sword of state in the upper house. Uh, and then you go, that's the Piedmont. You go further and then up into the hill country, Greenville, a lot of refugees from California living, including my nephew and his wife's entire family. They abandoned Monrovia, if you can believe it. And they moved to Greenville, South Carolina. Hmm. A lot of good Catholic churches in South Carolina. Uh, some ordinary communities. South Carolina is a great place. My one reservation, oh, and it was great for the growing of indigo and rice back in colonial days. My one reservation about South Carolina, as it is for much of the South, are their summers where mosquitoes as big as cows will carry off unescorted children. All right, maybe I exaggerate slightly, but they are pretty big and nasty, the uh, mosquitoes in the South Carolina summer. Hmm. So there you go, South Carolina. I love you. All right. It was the first state to secede from the Union in 1860. It gave us Charles Calhoun. Uh, no, it wasn't Charles Calhoun. Well, anyway, Calhoun. Uh, it was the home of nullification in 1830. It's, it's an amazing place. And I think anybody who doesn't like South Carolina shouldn't go into the South or the Northeast or the Midwest or California or the Southwest or Hawaii or Alaska or the Northwest. Basically, you're not American if you hate South Carolina. Wow. All right. All right. Thank you, Charles. Um, all right. On to the questions. All right. Um, first question is from Tampa Tobacconist, uh, who says, thoughts about guardian angels. Are there other places, people, or groups of people that receive guardian angels? What does this mean for countries which split uh, such as South Sudan, recently separating from Sudan, or countries which combine. That's they all get their guardian angels. And it isn't just countries, but cities, counties, states, etc. Uh, it's a very pious practice if you're driving through the United States, for instance, as you cross state lines to invoke the guardian angel of that state. Hmm. Do you... Um... Do municipalities have guardian angels? Sure do. Institutions of all kinds, especially religious ones, have guardian angels. And, of course, individuals do, too. Wow. That's interesting. Um, 
That's interesting. I wonder how that happens, right? Like, I mean, you just have a community, and then eventually the community decides to formalize, and then I don't know. Angel you have takes to ask the God. task. Yeah, it's just interesting. You have to ask God. I'm not in charge, despite what you've been told in, in school. All right. Uh, could Charles please explain the interest of Pope Pius X in the Knights of the Equestrian Order of the Holy Sepulchre? Can Charles shed light on Pius X's goal in revitalizing the order? Well, I mean, it was based on his love of the Holy Land and his knowledge of the importance of the order in preserving the, uh, the church of the Holy Land. And from that time, instead of simply being a way of getting the world to do to go to the Holy Land and uh, contribute, it became a regular means of income. And today, I think the United States Holy Sepulchre around the world produce about 80% of the income of the Latin Patriarchate of Jerusalem. So that's why. It was a very important thing, and I'm glad he did it. I'm not glad the current Grand Master has gotten rid of the use of the sword in the accolade. Because, again, the uh, gender issues that a lot of higher churchmen have today get in the way. Hmm. You know, anything too masculine they get upset about. Unless it's a grinder account. That makes sense. All right. If it's uh, summoned to a grinder account, it can't possibly be too masculine. But any expression of masculinity in anything liturgical or paraliturgical is definitely just too awful for words. Okay, um, will Charles please do a deep dive on the issue of heraldry? Does Charles have a coat of arms? If so, did he receive um, some through an official heraldic office, such as the British College of Arms? As part of his deep dive, or perhaps his diving off the deep end, who knows? Will Charles please discuss the history of the High Court of Chivalry, the College of Arms, and the Court of the Lord Lion? Uh, can he also speak to the Irish office of the Chief Herald? Boy, that's a lot of questions. Well, basically, heraldry, of course, is the art and science of uh, the coats of arms of families, civic bodies, nations, and so forth. Uh, I do not have a devised coat of arms issued by a regular heraldic authority. Uh, there is a sort of generic one for the Coulombs that flies around, but it's a doubtful validity. It uh, it has a uh, it has three fat doves, meaning Coulomb. That's what they're called, canting arms, because they, it's a pun basically. And every uh, rendition I've seen of them, there've been three silver doves on a blue field, a field of azure. Uh, some versions has the crescent. Uh, that you'll see if uh, your ancestor was off of the Crusades. But uh, the the uh, most countries in Europe today no longer have a regular heraldic authority because most countries in Europe are no longer monarchies. And if they do, it usually just deals with civic heraldry, i.e. cities, towns, and the nation. But there are a few that still do. And of these, the most evident, other than the Spanish College of Arms, another monarchy, are the College of Arms in London, which deals with England and Wales, and 
the English dominions beyond the seas, the, Lord, the court of the Lord Lion, which deals with Scotland, and uh, both of these are medieval foundations. They go back at least to the 1400s. But the chief herald of Ireland is a new, uh, a new creation. One of the English heralds was called Ulster King of Arms, and he was responsible for Irish heraldry. But in 1922, the new republic, or the Irish Free State, appointed a chief herald, created the office, and basically split uh, the assets of the office of Ulster King of Arms with him. So that's where he comes from. His headquarters is in Dublin Castle. So now you know. Um, so what are the rules about getting a coat of arm, a coat of arms? Um, I mean, so there's an heraldic authority. What is that yeah. all about? Well, what that means is that a heraldic authority is a, uh, an office recognized by a sovereign to deal with the heraldic issues for the, uh, for that sovereign subjects. So for instance, if you were in England or Wales or Anglo-Canada, Anglo-South Africa, Australia, New Zealand, well, not New Zealand, but Australia, uh, and not Canada, they have their own heraldic authority now, but anyway, you would appeal to the College of Arms first to research to see whether or not you descend from a man who had a coat of arms, and then if you don't, for a fee, they'll design you one, and then... Uh, your heirs will be heirs to that, as well as whatever whatever other property you've got. So, I mean, how does that work? So, they'll design one. So, is there like a registry? Like, do you yeah. need to have an official code? Like, what if somebody just wants to do their own coat of arms? Just well, do the image? they they do it because there are very specific rules governing heraldry. Like what? Uh, uh, it's very complex. I, I, it would take a long time to tell you, but I mean, different different things mean different things. Like I mentioned, the crescent would be that you had an ancestor that fought the Crusades. Well, if you didn't, you wouldn't want to have a crescent on your coat of arms. Interesting. Uh, if you descended from a family that uh, ran booze during Prohibition, you might have... Yeah, what's the symbol for that on the coat of arms? I, could, I don't know. So, uh, when you say for a fee, um, they can... Ten grand. Are you serious? Ten grand? Yeah, if you don't have the, the devising of a new coat of arms for someone who does, is not the heir to one, it is ten grand, I believe. What if you didn't buy it, but then you followed all the rules, and then you did your own coat of arms? Is, is there any... Is that legitimate? I mean, I don't even know what legitimate means in this sense, but like... Well, it depends on where you are. I mean, the United States, for instance, has the American uh, College of Arms, but it doesn't really have any official standing. What does that mean, official standing? Well, as I say, these heraldic authorities are uh, authorized by sovereigns to deal with heraldic matters to their subjects. Hmm. But if you don't have a sovereign, you just have a group of people of, of heraldic enthusiasts who know what they're doing. They get together and they put together a registry. 
that has no official standing in the United States. But it does mean you're not a total fraud. Interesting. So that, uh, yeah, the American College of Heraldry established in 1972. So what do you, what's your recommendation for people in terms of good arms? Is that, is this an interesting thing to sort of create a tradition and create an identity here? What do you think well, you know, it's interesting. It depends. Yeah. I mean, it's a great tradition and something wonderful to be able to pass on to your descendants if you have any. Uh, we have a, uh, well, back in the, uh, in the good old days, you might say, not so long ago. The Spanish College of Arms, which operated under the King of Spain, claimed jurisdiction over California. And so a number of people in California, Texas, New Mexico, uh, and so on, had their family arms registered by the Corista de Armas in Spain. Hmm. Yeah, Charles sent me a link, AmericanCollegeOfHeraldry.org. Um, that's interesting. Uh, that looks pretty cheap. Annual membership forty dollars. Annual membership spend- plus registration of arms, uh, four hundred twenty-five dollars. Non-U.S. citizens four hundred fifty. That's still better than ten grand. That that's a lot better than ten grand for sure. Uh, okay. But just so just so you'll know, because you know I'm I'm here to help. Believe it or not, uh, two things. One, here you go, and you can't tell me you're not grateful now. Are you ready? Yes. I have to admit, though, this website looks like it's from 20 years ago. Um, All right. College-of-arms.gov.uk. Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II. Um, She sold that. Okay, so that's the College of Arms for the United Kingdom. Um, Inquiries. Hmm. It's interesting. It, it doesn't seem like these people have a lot of um, activity going on, shall we say. A lot of what? Activity? Activity? I don't know. These websites seem so amateurish, with all due respect. Uh, they're very... Well, that's because, uh, that's because they're not, you know, AT mavens. AT? Yeah. I don't know what that means. Uh, you know, AI or whatever it is you guys do. IT, whatever. Oh, oh, internet technology. Know. Oh, okay. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> okay. Whatever it is. I don't uh, know. Why should I? You young people with your music television and your... <laughs> okay. Um, so and- there you go. You now have links... To the College of Arms, the Lion, the Court of the Lord Lion, and the Irish Chief Herald. Oh, okay. And the Irish one is nli.ie. 
Um, okay. And a lot stands for National Library of Ireland, so you'll know, mm. because that's who the Herald Chief Herald works for. Oh, okay. I see. All right. Well, that'll be interesting. Um, thank you for that, Charles. All right. No, uh, uh, next question. You know, Pandora's box did not have a uh, heraldic symbol designed for it by any heraldic authority. Neither did the Buffalo Springfield. Well, maybe... <laughs> I don't know what to say to that, Charles. I have no idea what to say to that. All right. Uh, what a field day for the heat. That's for sure. It's still hot here in California. Okay. A uh, question from Cal, who says, in Charles's opinion, are there any historical anti-popes that could have made good real popes if validly elected? If so, who are they, and why would they have been good choices for the papacy? Wow, that's hard. Pope Joan, she would have been wonderful. Uh, no, you can't do that. Oh. I really... I really can't think of any anti-pope. Anti Maybe Felix of... Uh, Savoy, or Hubbard, or whatever it was. He was the heir to the Savoy throne who was a, briefly an anti-pope. But I, I, I really can't think about it. Sorry. Hmm. All right. Uh, let's see. Question from Anita, who says, Dear gentlemen, really enjoyed Charles's comments on the September 17th show and pre-show about monarchy and the discomfiture of the oligarchs over the outpouring of love for Queen Elizabeth. I would be comforted if Charles would comment on another disturbing kind of outpouring that I'm hearing from some Catholics, namely condemnation of the queen for being Protestant, for having the official role of upholding the apostasy of England, for giving royal assent to the abominations her government put in front of her over the course of 70 years, comparing her unfavorably to the queen of Belgium, refused to sign off on abortion, etc., 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 this condemnation extends to King Charles for having, almost immediately upon beginning his reign, sworn an oath to uphold the rights of the Church of Scotland, which presumably the law required him to do. Finally, there is a lot of crowing over the idea that the British monarchy, which is said to be completely useless because it is a form over substance, must necessarily collapse under Charles III. This cataract of abuse seems to me directed at persons who are in who are in an impossible situation, the like of which the rest of us have never had to face ourselves. And nobody stops to consider what evils might befall if the Queen had acted in a way that the critics would have been happy with. Also, I cannot see the upside of abolishing an institution that, however emptied it is of substance right now, is nevertheless a reminder of the Catholic faith that England ought never to have left and should and could still return to. Charles, please set us straight on the morally com complicated situation uh, the British sovereign is stuck in and the factors that we fail to consider in passing judgment on the sovereign's conduct. Well, firstly, I agree completely with her uh, conclusions. That's the first thing. Hmm. Secondly, I'd like to see the same attitude aimed toward our form of government, which was never Catholic, ever. Why don't they demand the same sort of probity out of 
are American politicians? Why don't they have the same ire? Surely the whole Constitution will fall apart under the senile head of state. You're not going to hear that, though. You'll hear him called an apostate, but you'll also hear, well, he's a discredit of the office. What about the office itself of President of the United States? What's its roots? The monarchy in Britain is, as our questioner says, a desiccated remnant of a Catholic order. Ours is a very much alive expression of a Masonic idea. I can play that game too. I can definitely play that game. It's a stupid game if I play it. It's a stupid game when they play it. You know, why didn't JFK make the country Catholic? Why didn't why did JFK say he would never let his religion affect his behavior as president? Why does every single successful Catholic politician in this country make that same argument? Where where are the people jumping up and down? Why didn't John F. Kennedy make Catholicism the state religion of the Catholic of the United States? Why didn't all the Catholic bishops order everybody to vote for Al Smith? Because that's not how it works. But if I were an outsider looking at this, this is the kind of drivel I'd come up with. And that's exactly what they do with the British system. They don't know what they're talking about. It is an impossible situation. The royal assent has not been refused since the year 1708 for anything, including stuff that's been, shall we say, sometimes personally damaging to the sovereign of the day. And incidentally, the penultimate use of the veto by Queen Anne, who also gave the last one, was to keep the church from becoming completely outlawed in Maryland, which is why the Catholics of Maryland in those days called her good Queen Anne. Um... The current king uh, refused to become a member of the Masonic Order. Do we hear the little mouths saying that? You know, the big mouths? The current king has uh, openly criticized Henry VIII for breaking with Rome. And no, I don't think he's going to become a Catholic tomorrow. But could you imagine any of our presidents making a, a similar statement? No, you couldn't especially if they were Catholic. Uh, Edward VII came into the church on his deathbed, having been visited apparently by three different priests when he was dying. Apart from the possibility of George Washington, how many of our non-Catholic priests and presidents have come into the church on their deathbed? Yeah. You know, see this? The image of the 21st century, remember? The big mouth, the little brainstem. How could the church, how could the queen have signed, uh, have uh, ascended to gay marriage? I don't know, I guess the way the bishops of Belgium have just done it. Oh. Do not expect more out of the king of Great Britain or the queen than you can expect out of the Holy Father in Rome. 
And if you're going to start being upset with individuals for not living a faith they don't hold, remember, they have not been, um, there has not been, with the exception of Edward VII on his deathbed and maybe others, there's not been a reigning Catholic king of Britain since 1688. There have been Catholic presidents of the United States, so there have been a ton of Catholic governors. How many of them have done, have done anything practical for the faith? Any, any, any little mouths going to tell me? Well, they won't. They won't tell me anything. Why is it? Uh, why didn't uh, uh, the Queen save Charlie Gard and Alfie Evans? I don't know. Why didn't President Bush save the Shivo lady? Because he was too busy with other things, I guess. Right. I tell you what. I'll make a deal. The next time someone feels like yapping about uh, the King. Have them read two books first before the mouth opens. His book called A Vision of Britain came out in 93 and his biography by Jonathan Dimbleby. Also, it would be good if you went to the website of the Prince of Wales and had a look through his interests and what he's into, what he's done. Look up the Black Spider memos. And when you look at all that stuff, then point out to me a president of the United States who has shown any kind of interest at all in that kind of thing. Whether it's the uh, the defense of uh, of the population from hideous architecture to uh, insisting on high standards in schooling. No child left alone, as President Bush might say. Right, it gets me annoyed. I mean, this torrent of abuse, and, and it's so stupid. And you hear it over and over with such outrage. Why did they do this? Why did I? I don't know. How come you don't? How come so many Catholics in the United States, in their own places of work, in their own families, allow? not the criticisms of Catholicism. Have you ever been in your office, heard someone say something, maybe your boss, say something stupid about the faith and not done anything? <laughs> Everybody has. Meditate on that. And I'll tell you something else. As far as the as, uh, swearing to uphold the uh, Church of Scotland, that is part of the Constitution. You know? Um, it's no more odious than a Catholic uh, swearing to defend freedom of religion, is it? I mean, remember, any Catholic who swears the oath to become a president of the United States is swearing to protect false religion as is protected by the Constitution of the United States. Mind you, it's protected alongside true religion. But the fact remains. So, levy the same arguments against our Catholic governors and presidents and see what you come up with. 
All right. Well, you know, thank you for thank you, Anita, for successfully executing what I was trying to do in the beginning of the show, which was to trigger Charles, um, get his blood flowing. Um, so well done there. Um, and thank you, Charles, for such a savage response. That well, was thoroughly enjoyable. For what it's worth, I mean, she really, in asking that question, she opened up a Pandora's box. Okay, don't go back there. We're in a good place right now. Don't go back there. We're going to stay here. Okay. Go back where? No, don't forget. Forget even I said anything. Okay, so, you know, one of the things that you touched on, it kind of is just sort of like reminiscent of something I said yesterday or that I was commenting, or not yesterday, last week's episode, which is there's something it seems that's evocative of the monarchy compared to our government where these people who normally don't even care about the king and the monarchy offer these most ridiculous opinions, but they're not even monarchists, but there's this expectation. There's this huge expectation. You know, it's so interesting to me. Well, I mean, you'll hear people go on and on and on about Charles and Camilla being adulterers. But they've forgotten President Clinton already. Of course, of course. I mean, uh, the the other thing that's funny about that is that both, uh, well, I mean, Charles has expressed his contrition for what happened with his with his uh, first marriage endlessly, and he's a widower. The woman's dead. Camilla. Married a Catholic, and uh, said gentleman uh, subsequently got an annulment. So she was free to marry the widower by our law. But I guess in the minds of people of Catholics who like to criticize the monarchy, our marriage law is secondary to Anglican marriage law. I get it. Okay. Hmm. Okay, um, we're out of questions for this episode. Um, this was, had to be a very expeditious one. We're almost out of time, but I'm going to add an extra one, something that you mentioned. I just heard from my mom about it uh, today, uh, which was um, Church in Belgium. Oh, yes, the dear little bishopesses of Belgium. Yeah. They can get married to men now. Yeah, and I guess I, they received the blessing? or I... Well, they're saying it's not a blessing except that it's a blessing. I mean, basically they're talking out of all sides of their rears as usual. You know, the, it's gotten so stupid and so ridiculous these days. Uh, what do you say except they're a bunch of morons? You know? It, it just, it's evil. Well, I guess I... So is anyone actually going is anyone in the hierarchy going to do anything? Oh yes. They'll suppress the Tridentine Mass. No, I I meant from Rome. That's what I said. Yeah. Why? Oh yes, and they'll ignore Cardinal Zen being tried by the Red Chinese. What? Uh, well well, you know, Cardinal Zen is uh, being tried by the communists right now. For what? anti-communism, you know, treason. But the Holy Father is busy. He's got the Synod, you know, more important stuff. 
Wow. Wow, indeed. They they are renewing the deal with Red China, though. Why does it the same anger toward the monarchy go to the uh, grinder account people? You know, if I was to give it a serious answer, I would say it goes toward the monarchy because it represents something we clearly aren't compared to something that we are. Ah, so what you're saying is it's easier to attack perceived evils in people we have no connection with than evils in people that we are intimately connected to and who reflect upon us. Yes. Or to put this another way, it's easier for me to attack the Manicottis than the Frankinis. Well, let, let's not go that direction. Oh, <laughs> you were right, doing well. so well, Charles. And then, and then you had and to now, do that. Now it's time to punish. <laughs> <laughs> oh, how unfortunate. Charles won't be able to go outside for the next few days, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> He's going to have to stay in for a little while. He, he needs a timeout. No, seriously, I mean, it's cowardice and stupidity is what it is. You know, I, I, I just... the these, these creatures, they're evil, and their day will pass. And we've got to try not to hate them. We've got to pray that they... Repent so they don't fry forever. And we've got to try to avoid hating them and avoid despairing over them. But it's very hard. They are so worthless. Let's see if we can get a little light on the topic, shall we? Which one, uh, China or Belgium? Uh, Belgium. I'm so shocked Belgium. over the Cardinal Zen thing because if there's going to be a renewed deal, can't we sort of... Include Cardinal no. Zen in there? No. Little, no? No? Well, let's see. Cardinal Zen arrest. Cardinal Zen news. Cardinal Zen trial. All right. Um, now, they postponed the uh, trials. He's in Hong Kong. He's going to be tried next week. Um, he's 90 years old. Um. Wow. The um, oh, this is interesting. Um, the trial of Cardinal. This is by Phil Lawler in Catholic Culture. The trial of Cardinal Joseph Zen has been postponed, but the indomitable ninety-year-old prelate will face judgment soon enough under the draconian new security laws imposed on Hong Kong by the Chinese government. Meanwhile, Pope Francis faces his own judgment in the court of public opinion for his failure to defend Cardinal Zen, or for that matter, to criticize the regime that is prosecuting him. When questioned about the trial by a reporter who accompanied him on his flight home from Kazakhstan, uh, the pontiff gave this reply. Cardinal Zen is going to trial these days, I think. And he says what he feels, and you can see that there are limitations there. More than qualifying because it is difficult, and I do wish to qualify. They are impressions, and I try to support the path of dialogue. 
What? What do you mean what? He just said like a bunch of empty words. Yeah, I know. He's good at that. And then he said, uh, before that, he says on the same interview, qualifying China as undemocratic. I do not identify with that because it's such a complex country. Yes, it is true that there are things that seem undemocratic to us. That is true. Impressive. Well done. I, I can't. T- I. I almost. We can't even stay here because it's actually not good for um, my mental health, my spiritual health. Whew. Okay. No, the Holy um, Father isn't for anyone's. But we've got to pray for him that he doesn't go snap, crackle, pop. Well, I. The most important prayer of the day, the morning offering. Offer up my prayers, works, joys, and sufferings for intentions of the Pope, so. Well, I'd like to offer him up, too. (laughs) No, no. We love the Holy Father so much, we don't want him to go to hell. And there's actually, and here's an important point, ladies and gentlemen. That really is love. What is love? Love is never having to say you're sorry. No. Love is wanting the very best for someone else. I do not want Jorge Bergoglio, Pope Francis, to go to hell forever. That that is the most supreme kind of love there could be for anybody. And it's 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 tough love, all right. It's tough on, on the one who's loves. <laughs> yeah. Because it's so easy to slide into hate when you read what he says and does. But we can't do that. We have to pray that he pulls himself together before he snuffs it. Hmm. Yep. All right. And speaking of that, I have a question for you. Okay, go ahead. If it's Monday. It's off the menu. And the soul you save. May be your own. Or maybe even the Holy Father's. You never know. Could happen. Especially if you are the Holy Father. All right. We'll see you guys next time. God bless. Be good, gang.